Life Audio. Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by my good friends, my partners in radio, Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. Joined not as always in studios in the summer, boys. This is the first time the three of us have been together in quite some time. Uh, we're very busy men, uh, traveling all the time in demand. Uh, this is just the life that we lead, boys. But we're back in the studio and we're back, I dare say... With some kind of nice, like little throwbacky topics, dude. This feels like early career, the happy rant. So, if you've been with the show for a long time as a listener, uh, if you want to kind of go back and get those throwback vibes to the early years, right before you purchase your ticket to Happy Rant Live, which you should go and do. Uh, tickets are flying off the shelves, Piper. Uh, I'm hearing a lot of buzz that that room could fill up really quickly. So. Uh, people are going to want to run to the website. What's the URL, Pipe? It is thehappyrant.com, and there's just a, a nice big tab at the top that says the live show, and you can go there and get tickets. Uh, if you are considering whether or not to do this, listeners, uh, the details are it's on September 24th. That's a Sunday evening, uh, 7 p.m. It'll be in Indianapolis, so on the eve of the Gospel Coalition Conference. So if you're planning to come to town for that, uh, just just get there a little bit early. This is going to be this will be the highlight. It'll be all downhill after that. It will be you know it's our it's our last ever live show. It will also be our our last episode, sort of a, a ride off into the sunset. Uh, we have ticket packages that include an exclusive T-shirt for the event that Josh Byers of Visual Theology is designing, which uh, which should be awesome. And uh, as Ted mentioned, I mean, we're, we are getting sales for this every single day. So it's not like we just had a little spike and, and we're hyping this thing up. Like the, the tickets actually are moving, which is really encouraging. It'll be fun to be in a room full of listeners interacting totally. uh, with y'all is, is our favorite thing. So should be a blast. That's going to be a wild <laughs> night, dude. Given that it's our last thing, I anticipate like hanging around real late afterwards till the last dog's hung. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. Uh, I look forward to it. We're all going to have merch and gear and kind of stuff for our new projects there to sell and promote. So that'll be fun too. Um, folks can, you know, kind of learn where they can hear us into the future. If that's something they want to do, uh, I'm fired up about it, but boys, I'm also fired up about talking some ministry stuff. A la the early years of the show. We'll get into that right after this break. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 
800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Okay, boys, we're back. Pipe, you sent along a few intriguing ideas that I think were born of messages from listeners. Uh, I think these are fascinating because this kind of takes us back to even before the Happy Rant started, the blogosphere started. And right around, I don't know, the year 2000 or shortly thereafter, if you were a ministry dude who had like any ambition as a writer... You were you were firing up that blog, dude. You were getting that blog cranked up, um, going into your little like extra bedroom in your apartment and photographing a stack of books and a cup of coffee and making that your banner image and, and doing <laughs> blogs. So um, your your topic here was how blogs launched whole ministry careers, and I think this is fascinating because we could probably point to a handful of people who are now kind of in our vintage age wise who really benefited from the blogosphere. What were you what were you thinking with this one? Well, I just the so thinking about the uh, how did how did you know how did they get here kind of thing, you know, there there are people who are really well respected uh, voices in the the kind of the broader Christian sphere or, or the reform sphere, I should say. Guys like Trevin Wax and Justin Taylor and Jared Wilson and uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there are others that are Tim Challies. Yeah. And and they're their launch point was writing on the internet to whoever, <laughs> to whosoever discovered their blog. You know, like the, yeah. it was, you know, these are the blogspot days. So it's like trevinwax.blogspot.com, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. That's where, I mean, that's where I started uh, on the internet in 2011 or something like that, just that my, my writing. And they predated me by a few years. So we're talking, you know, 15, 20 years ago in some cases. And I just think it's crazy that there are guys who are legitimately kind of um, ministerially significant now. Yeah. And and at the time, they were perceived as like these bloggers in their mom's basement. Like mom's basement was the favorite disparagement of bloggers. And, yeah. uh, and I, just, I don't know. I just find great joy of picturing like Jared C. hanging in his mom's basement writing blogs. That, that, I'm that sure his mom me. has a lovely basement. I, I would I would be interested in seeing all those guys' moms' basements, actually, like just for just out of curiosity. But yeah, like it, it's weird in that the only qualification was I have an Internet connection. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you've got all these impressive guys who have like gone on to have lots of degrees and sort of be impressive in all the traditional ways but it's like back then they weren't impressive they just had an internet connection um and and those guys that you mentioned had blogs kind of long before they had book deals you know like with kdy i think he sort of retroactively fired up the blog after we did why we're not emergent um, and then he got really into it too. But like the well, the guys that you mentioned, used to be you know before platform became a thing, you know. So when I, when yeah. I worked in publishing, especially the last several years, that one of the unfortunately one of the great considerations for an author was what is their reach, what is their platform, and you looked mostly yeah. at social media. Ten years prior to that, blog following, it, you know, yeah. it was sort of the, it, publishers had to come to terms with the fact that this person gets. 10,000 people a month or 20,000 people a month or you know in some cases 100,000 people a month reading yeah. their posts 
So yeah. this this might actually be a platform. It was it it actually could get you book deals. I know, dude, which is so wild and crazy to think about. But but that was, you know, th- this is all very time capsule circa the beginning of the internet, where where things just kind of got crazy and people kind of lost their minds for a little bit. But baby, you were transitioning into ministry right around when all this was popping off with the blogosphere. I want you to answer two questions for me. One, yeah, when you think about these guys and their blogs, who had the best blog? So thinking back to like Between Two Worlds and like Trevin Wax and whatever Jared was doing at the time, who had the best blog? And then also, did you dip your toes into the blogosphere waters at all in those early years? Because like, I think I met you probably after you had kind of come and gone with the blog thing. And I think you, you met me right when I was kind of ramping down, caring about blogging. But uh, what was your experience with all of it? Yeah, baby, that's interesting because I never uh, – it's kind of like podcasting for me. I've never gotten that into it, you know. So yeah. for me, it was like somebody recommending, hey, read this you know, read this blog post by this dude. And I'd be like, okay, if I get around to it. But I would, there was never any consistency with it. I never followed yeah. Any, it's kind of like Substack now. It's like newsletters now. I don't, I don't, I haven't, yeah. you know, sign up for anybody's thing. Um, yeah. For what, for any, there's no reason, you know, there's no yes. philosophy yeah. behind it. I, the thing that I'm kind of fascinated by, though, is like what you guys just talked about. Like, it would be really interesting if we could get every one of those dudes on the pod and say, hey, do you love that you launched your career by becoming a blogger? And I would love yeah. to hear how many of them would say, oh, no, that's not how I did it at all. Yeah, they this would is all not, say th- that. Yeah. yeah, they would. Every one of them, I think, to a, to, to I, I think every one of them would say, no, it, it, was, it wasn't the blog. The, you know, the yeah. blog just helped supplement things. Yeah, that it was were the fact on. that I was a teaching assistant at Trinity, you know, and <laughs> I taught intro to Old Testament. That did it, you know. Yeah, don't, uh, don't just, don't just. Don't just don't just act don't just act like it was like me like writing you know some anonymous <laughs> blog that grew in popularity on the internet is what you know gave me all of my popularity and my you know exactly. my, my fame but I just exactly. I just wonder how big of an insult that is now to say that because and the reason oh, why I say a that fascinating too fascinating question yeah well check yeah. it out so I was in a I was at a conf uh, I mean this was a, this was eight years ago now I don't know mm-hmm. ten years ago. It, oh, it was ba- it was the basics conf. It's a local conf in uh, Cleveland that Alistair Begg throws on. Yeah, and I was there. I don't know, it was probably a decade ago, and KDY yeah. was one of the uh, the dudes. Yeah, and um, and he actually he name checked he name checked the book that you wrote with him. Uh huh. And he said, "Boy, not a lot of convos about the emergent church anymore." It's kind of a it was a ha ha, yeah. a little bit Har-har. of a ha. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he also said. But but he also kind of called himself out on the blog thing. He said, "And how would how would you like to how would you like to have the reputation as not like having you know not having the reputation as somebody who's written like this like epic book or or who's yeah. known for these like really deep theological things, but just that you were a blogger." So he kind of self deprecated <laughs> himself a little yeah, bit. He yeah. kind of he called himself out on that. But yeah. um, but that's that's the only time I've ever really heard that happen. You know, what I'm oh, saying? that's fascinating. Yeah, they they would all. It seems to me have a really arm's lengthy kind of relationship with it because all all those guys that we've mentioned have have kind of like made their made their way in academia. You know, the academy has kind of been or or publishing like traditional publishing. Dude, the really interesting one to me 
and I tip the hat to this guy because early in my career, I think I just naturally hated all book critics. Like I felt like it was sort of <laughs> my job to hate book critics. And wait, wait when um, did early in your career end, and has it ended? Yeah, a week and a half ago. You know, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that right, it's actually right before ended. we hit record on this right episode. before we hit record. But but yeah, Chally's just kind of realizing. Wait a minute, the way to leverage the internet is to sort of be the clearinghouse for reviews that everybody in our tribe would want to read. So like book X gets published. Chally's is kind of the first one to the marketplace with like a thoughtful review about it. In retrospect, that strikes me as a really fascinatingly effective way to have done it. And it also gives your blog a sense of you're not waking up every morning going, what am I going to write about? Like the, the roadmap is already there. And, um, you know, now, now, now that we have two decades of data on who did the internet well, like that strikes me as a pretty good one. Man, Ch- Chally's, Chally's was onto something early with that, and and having worked in publishing, and then also having been sort of a a minor blogger, you know. So yeah. I was never I came I came to it too late, and I was never very good at it from sort of a like finding internet success. The Chally's did did a few things that I can't say of any other blogger. One was mm. he he is the first that I can recall to just be crushing in the Christian space, the sort of aggregated links. He would do like, I don't oh, know, it was yeah. Friday five or a la carte as whatever he called it. I can't remember. Yeah. I think he still does it, but I remember, you know, I, on those rare occasions when something that I wrote would be highlighted in his a la carte. Yeah. My, my, uh, traffic on my yeah. site would explode. Mm. And uh like he he was a he was a leverage powerhouse for stuff yeah. like that. Same thing for, you know, on the publishing side, you know, if we sent him books to review and he actually gave them a serious review or like this is, you know, one of my five recommended this month, you can go on the Amazon rankings and you can look at that day and yeah. that book climb, you know, just yeah. just yeah. shoot up. He a lot of influence he, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And and but to, to your point, it wasn't just there are a lot of people who have who have sort of leveraged traffic. He he maintained a like he sort of in, in the same way that Crossway sort of has a like if it comes out from Crossway, you know what it is in terms of sure. theological yeah. framework, kind of who it's aimed at. They, you know, there's there's some breadth, but also like it's these kinds of books. Chally's yeah. was this kind of website. So, yeah, you you knew you knew what he was going to be saying in terms of the lane he was in, which makes him very reliable. If you yeah. want that kind of take on a book, that kind of, and it's, it's thoughtful, it's thorough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He just, he crushed it in terms yeah. of carving out his space in ways that most guys didn't. And, and it's only been in the last few years that he's moved more into kind of writing ministerially where he's interesting. In, as opposed, you know, so he he started, so he did uh, he did he wrote the visual theology books with Josh Byers. Yeah. Byers was kind of the designer and co-author. Uh, but then, you know, now when you go to his website, he's writing very pastorally. Mm-hmm. And but for a long time, he was more aggregator reviewer. And yeah. man, it yeah, it was a, it was a rare kind of effective channel to be in. Yeah, it worked for him. It popped, baby. I have a question for you. Yeah, man regarding like why we kind of never really fell in love with blogging and i don't know i i think for me 
to really go into something as a writer and and by that i mean primarily like books and movies and but to some degree magazines which i know you have a high view of magazines as well um i have to be able to feel romantic about it mm-hmm. and i don't think i ever felt romantic about like having a website you know <laughs> um but there were there were guys who got really into it and i and i think they're the same kind of guys who whenever a technology is new, get kind of excited about that technology. And that just was never me. And I'm guessing it was never you. Am I right on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how to, I'm at the, there's no risk. I am. Yeah. I, I'm just going to, I'm going to sound as ridiculous as one can possibly sound by this next comment. I think yeah. for me, baby. And uh-huh. I think, I think this is kind of what you're hinting at a little bit yeah. is dude, there's no pictures on a block. <laughs> it's, it's kind of dull. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like just clicking on something just to read content. That's why I love magazines, right? You're getting the full experience. You're getting photography and you're getting all kinds of different, like you're getting getting different kinds of perspectives and articles. That's what I love about mags. Um, A blog was just like, it's a little too academic for me, if I'm being honest. And and by saying that, I'm not saying that I haven't, I mean, I've recently read some blogs that were awesome. So it's it's fine. Um, But to do it, I think what you're talking about is are these people that spent half their day reading blogs all day when it was hot and that's like all they did. And like that, that's the thing that I could never understand because you got the sense that when these, you know, when blogging was like, like the new American pastime, right. It was like, I just couldn't get it because it was just, it was a little too dull for me. And it doesn't mean the writing was bad or that's right. You know, all that stuff. It just meant for me, it was like, I just don't have any interest in that. Cause gee whiz, dad, there's no pictures, you know, kind of, yeah, a thing, but dude, totally. Um, I do have a Substack now, by the way, clock.substack.com. Yeah, for sure. Go for it. So just Absolutely. Yeah, promoing it. I'm all yeah, in. I read yeah. it every day. I read and it every I, day. And I'm, and I'm enjoying it, you know, and it, I, although I don't know how materially it, it it differs from having a blog, but it feels different. Dude, do you guys remember when people would argue on their blogs? Like, this is how beefing used to happen before there was Twitter. <laughs> the you know? comment section. Comment sections, dude. People would, like, go at each other in comment sections of blogs. And that, that strikes me as very sort of... Uh, quaint and like in in like vintage at this point, but um, I guess now we have social media for that. But um, it was it was kind of funny to think about how it used to vintage hate, vintage hate vintage was so hate. much better, so yeah. much better than current hate, dude. Yes, I was I was you know one of the early adopters. It was so much better, dude. Yeah. Retro hate was sweet, baby. Retro right. hate should be the the name of the next book that we write. Oh, it sounds like a Dan Kimball title from like 2003, you know, vintage hate. He's, he's got the pompadour and the whole uh, that's thing. That's amazing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. What, what happened to that guy? Dan Kimball. I feel like I, he was somebody. I think, he's, I think he's still like pastoring and chugging along. I don't think that I mean, he, he yeah. has not, uh, I don't think he's gone anywhere. I think there just was sort of a, like a move, you know, trendiness moved away from him, but he yeah. has just, I think he's just sort of stayed steady. Um, Good for him. I'm just I'm thinking about comment sections and what amuses me when I look back on it is the the sort of snide dismissal of those debates <laughs> by those you know like it's so petty yeah. that's you know you know the blog commenters by yeah. by like academics and pastors who do the exact same thing in their own like it's it's it, it the platform is what made this stuff petty in their mind, even though yeah. they were having the exact same debates and being just as like nobody's as petty in their debates as, acad- as academians. And yeah. uh, 
And and yet, because it lived on the internet, and these people were young, you know, these youngins, it uh, <laughs> it was so dismissible, right. and uh, which is part of what makes it so interesting to me. Like, part, you know, you, you guys talk about not being kind of drawn into blogs. I think the reason I I was intrigued by them because I worked in publishing, but I never was a a blog follower. Yeah, mainly because they allowed people to be prolific, and uh-huh. prolific is rarely interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if you're writing a piece a day. I want yeah. to read on average one out of 10 to 20 of those. But I yeah. don't want to look at your blog every day to find out which one it is. I need someone yeah, else to really recommend it to me. Yeah, really no, that, that is good. And, and I remember Pipe, and I've told the story ad nauseum on the, on the pod. As soon as the publishing industry sort of got its mind around collectively the blogosphere, like they were, if you were an author, like they were not demanding, but like severely encouraging that you blog every day. And my response to that was similar to yours. Like, I don't have something good to say every single day. Um, And I will blog when I have something good to say. And the guys that blogged every day were the ones that made it. So they were right. I was wrong. (laughs) Well, and yeah, what they discovered, and I don't think they were doing it on purpose, they being the bloggers, is that most Mm -hmm. people are not discerning readers. That's most true. people, yeah. most people will read everything somebody they like puts out, even if it stinks. You know, I can't think of th- there's there are very few writers in the world who I enjoy everything they write, yeah. and they're usually people who release novels every three to ten years because yeah. it takes them that long to produce something good, uh, yeah. or or they're dead now, um, like <laughs> Pat Conroy, and uh, and so, but bloggers they discovered they're like. If I put something out every day, the way the internet works is that generates traffic and it yeah. generates recommendations and people became fans of the blogger without sort of discerning which of these pieces is excellent. Yeah. And, and you know, with somebody like, say, Trevin Wax, like Trevin, Trevin was very much using it as an exercise in growing as a writer, sort of writing mm-hmm. practice. I mm-hmm. think Jared probably was to a degree, too. And which means that some of it's good, a lot of it's mediocre, some of it's downright sure. bad. They're probably embarrassed by some of the stuff they wrote early on. Sure. But somebody like you wants to do practice in private and publish what you're proud mm-hmm. of. Yeah. And uh, and that that did that's not how blogs work. Well, that no, and the Substack right. thing now too. If you guys have noticed, it's been all like, yep. You know, like when somebody prominent comes on and says, "Hey, you know, I'm starting a newsletter," and like at the most, it's something that drops once a week, and that's if they decide to be consistent. Sure. Yeah, that's right. And and the model's a little bit different. Like people can support it financially and get right. different content. And yeah, I just, I find myself using it and enjoying using it for stuff that I know has no practical home anywhere else, you know, um, and hopefully people enjoy it. But, um, but yeah, so there, there's definitely a like self-serving, this is just stuff I want to write kind of vibe to it. Um, and maybe that's how some people use the blogosphere, but I, I I remember it being a really short runway between the blogosphere starting and then guys of a certain kind of bearing kind trying to figure out how to leverage it, you know? And so to your point pipe with the algorithms and traffic, and I can't imagine being less interested in anything like, (laughs) I think I had a blog for five years. I never checked the numbers. Like, I didn't even know how, <laughs> you know, like it just never uh, occurred to me to want to do that. But, um, you know, every, everybody's a little different. Anything more to say on blogs and stuff? 
You guys uh, got anything? If we make any more comments, we'll just be like old school bloggers where we, we just we're, we're we are being words. bloggers right now. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I feel I'm almost falling asleep. We need to move on. Dude, do you ever <laughs> do you ever like imagine what would happen if like old school writers had blogs? Like what pipe? What if like Louis Lamore had a blog? What would it be like? I mean, hey, that I wrote, dude wrote so much. I'm pretty sure he published a novel about every day. So like, it would have exactly. just been serialized, like serialized Western fad stories. The, fad know. the mysterious cowboy rides in to help the widow with two children against the attack from bandits over and over and over again. <laughs> exactly, that would have been awesome. I'd follow. Pipe, did your uh, did your pops ever have a blog or no? Oh, great question, baby. Did, did he have? Did he ever have a blog? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Desiring God's website had what they called a blog for a long time and he would write, you know, once or twice a week for it. But that, you know, that became sort of a web based ministry. So now there's, you know, it, 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 it's not really a blog anymore. Like he will contribute articles here and there, but those are like the original way they did articles. Personalized thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, boys, let's take a break. And then we'll talk about a thing related to pastors and social media. We'll be right back. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. All right, boys, we're back. Um, your note on this one, Piper, and I this this is one where you guys are gonna have to guide me through it because I'm I'm fascinated by this conceptually, but I've never actually seen it in practice. The comment was how pastors get weird on social media when they transition out of the pastorate. So pastors who ostensibly come onto social media as pastors, then they become something else, and then they get weird. Um, Pipe, who were you thinking about, slash what were you thinking about when you suggested this? So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be slow to throw out names on this one, because sure, weird sure. is like, if they were being crazy, I would call them out by name, but it's more just yeah. like the tone of the posts. So yeah. I can think of three to four guys off the top of my head who spend many years in like lead pastor positions, church planters, whatever. Then they make the transition to whatever that next kind of phase of ministry is, usually some sort of encouraging other pastors, mm-hmm. you know, in, in these guys' case. And when they were pastors, so much of what they were posting was just more sort of like clear encouragement. It was drawn sure. out of their experience in ministry. Then they make the switch and and it's as if it's as if they have been taking coaching from our very own Ronnie on Yoda tweeting, except, <laughs> oh, except with like sweeping statements about ministry. Okay. You know, and that kind of stuff. And I'm just like, man, y'all. Y'all got like Yoda meets John Maxwell in yeah. five minutes after you stepped out of the pastorate. Wow! Mm-hmm. And it and it seems it seems to be a common enough thing. I mean, and maybe I'm just maybe I'm just in this niche. That's probably the case. It is it is the social media after all. But uh, yeah, there's just this weird switch to like inspirational. You get a lot more of this sort of like. Pastors often think this, but this is actually the case. You get you know these massive juxtapositions. You get a lot of uh, you know you get a lot of like 
people pray for your pastors on Monday. They probably want to quit their job and jump off a cliff, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I know a lot of pastors and like Monday's a tired day, but Right. That's a bit over. They're not suicidal. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, like, they, 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 they drink a little extra coffee. They need a little extra, extra quiet. Encouragement does go a long way. You know, the text from people who are like, hey, man, still thinking on your sermon, super helpful. Like, those kinds uh-huh. of things are, are, are great. But, like, they make, they, they sort of, they sort of take the hard things from their ministry and amplify it into, like, their new ministry. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, you know, that can be a little bit outsized. I want to mm. I want to let Ronnie respond to this because you you invoked his name in that. Um, <laughs> I have a couple of ideas as well, but uh, baby, how how does all that like land on you? Have you seen this? Well, yeah, I mean for sure because I think a lot of it. I mean, to Pipe's point is I think a lot of it when guys transition, they they immediately feel a little bit lost, right? Mm. And so all of the um, you know, when you when you're in that weekly, you know, that week week after week sort of mode of preaching, you know, and you're constantly communicating and instructing and teaching. And then, then you're not doing that anymore, you know, on yeah. that, on, in that yeah. sense. And um, so I think it's, I think it just becomes something where they're so used to something coming out of them. Yeah. Um, they have to find another outlet for that to happen because it's, mm. they're, they're lacking the consistency. So, yeah. Sure. And, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a social media post has so so many limitations. It's not a sermon. So yeah. I, th- so there's there, I think that that tends to lend itself to more sweeping statements. And, and I think it's like dudes that are trying to say, Hey, do, do my words still matter? Is, is there still an audience, yeah. you know, for my words? Can I, am I still, you know, do I still have something to say that people want to listen to? So yeah. I think there's a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of grasping and insecurity there and kind yeah. of, I got to find my way now. And, or hey, like Pipe said, you know, I'm, I'm moving into a role now which is just similar but different. So now I gotta yeah. reestablish. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I think Pipe's right. You know, uh, it's it's interesting. Yeah. I so think I, there I, are... one, one one other observation to yeah. throw into this mix because it it might uh, it might add to your your feedback. Mm-hmm. There is also <clears throat> a you see them lean into like their 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 best attempts at having poetic chops, <laughs> you know? So when they it. were pastors, they would, they would just like take a phrase from a Bible verse mm-hmm. and be like, this should encourage our souls today. You know, mm-hmm. that's pretty, mm-hmm. pretty cut and dry. And now yeah. they're like, they're kind of trying to, trying to be poetic, sort of John, John Dunnish, all John of, Denver. To take me home, um, see the lilies of the field and how they spin as, yeah, a, as I you know, go home a, on my country road. Yeah, there's a lot. This is this is why I invoked Ronnie's name because Ronnie is a pastor who is not afraid to kind of do his kind of poetic leaning into the artistic on social media. Never been shy about that. You know, reflecting on beauty and these different things. These guys go from like kind of cut and dry Bible teachers to like trying that, but it feels very sophomoric. Yeah, uh-huh. you're, they're not good at it, and it yeah. sounds it sounds like it sounds like a, an eighteen year old trying to write a love song kind of thing. Um, and, and that's well, just pipe, another observation. You know, I'm, like, I'm like, where was all this when you actually pastored? Like, if that if that was of yeah. significance to you, what, why 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 did did you have to like be safe from your congregation before you could try creative stuff? Like, what I don't understand that that bent either. That's there, that's that's nice. That's that's kind of you too, pipe. I, can I just throw this in, boys? I think part yeah. of the reason for that is that they haven't yet uh, taken my, and I'm just going to introduce it today, my cohort, 
on how to post more poetically post pastorate. And oh, uh, it's a six week oh. course. Uh, how to post post pastorate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love it. That's that's going to so, be uh, massive. Yeah, sign yeah. up. Sign ups are going to go up soon, probably yeah. after the uh, the uh, you know the final rant. It'll be show. your you'll, it'll be your post podcast posting post pastorate cohort. Guys, do you love Song of Solomon, but you never knew how to tweet it out that way while you were yeah. still preaching week to week? Join, exactly. Join Big R's new new cohort on how to right. learn, how to uh, just absorb Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and all the Psalms every time yeah. you tweet. Two fawns, column, you know, colon. <laughs> you know, three things strike me as fascinating about this so far. One is the way that we're using the word transition, um, which has very different connotations societally, but we're, we're invoking it in kind of a similar way to talk about just like pastors being done pastoring. I think that's really funny. Um, they, no longer enough, identi- they no longer identify as pastors. They no longer identify as pastors, but they now pipe. They all identify as leaders. And I think there's probably like a one-to-one kind of parallel between... Guys at a certain age and they start reading leadership books. I, I've seen it happen to guys like mid to late 40s. It's whatever age you are when you realize the thing that you thought you were good at, you're actually not all that good at, and you got to like find something else, right? So a lot of guys, they start reading the leadership books and then they think of themselves as leaders, you know, because it's such a cottage industry. And it's like, well, clearly after I finish pastoring, I can't just not be on the internet you know oh no i've gotta i've gotta reimagine my public persona and i think that's the third thing like the the sort of presupposition that like well i can't just go away you know i've i've gotta kind of reemerge as something else and i don't know i think that the leadership thing it's it's all part of the transition well and oh baby let's not let's not let's not jump the shark too quick here because a lot yeah. of these guys that move on from pastoring 100% still identify as pastors uh-huh interesting I, so i will agree with that too yeah that's I, true that's fascinating to me so are there I, the question that comes to my mind is are there parallels in other industries so after you I don't know, get done being an engineer uh, or, I don't know, plant manager at 3M or whatever, or a, a college professor, are you still sort of rolling out of bed going, at my essence, I am a plant manager at 3M. You know, I this mean, is who I am. You if know. it's more professional, you actually are, right? So like if a dude... If a dude is like a doctor and he quits practicing medicine and he wants to move on to like giving seminar, I mean, he's still going to be Dr. Smith or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's still like that still works for him. Yeah. To continue his career. So, but what yeah. If he's a doctor who just wants to, I don't know, play golf and, and spend his money or whatever. Is he still, you know what I mean? Like there used to be this kind of like line of demarcation between I'm working and I'm not working, but I, or like I think, I'm not practicing anymore. Blurry. Yeah. I'm not pastoring anymore. I'm not practicing anymore. Yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, it's also tied up in like, it's just, I mean, dude, it's all over the map, right? You read some, mm-hmm. you meet some dudes and they're like, dude, I'm so happy to not to be retired or to move. You know, I moved on to something else. I'm stoked. I'm yeah. so stoked. I'm not doing that anymore. So right. yeah, you don't have to refer to me as a doctor, pastor, yeah. like whatever it is. And other guys, 
I think they just they don't know who they are anymore because they you know obviously it. their identity is so so wrapped up in it. But well, and yeah. that's particularly true for not for guys who retire, but for guys who who quit. And I don't mean that they they, they are quitters. I just mean like right. at at forty five. Yeah. 47 years old they (laughs) they've been pastoring for 15 years and they stop they stop pastoring they are lost you know you look at somebody like ray ortland who pastored with a plan of stepping out in retirement and then moving into a phase of encouraging other pastors and you're like he he actually is still pastoring in a very real sense because he's doing the people work and Mm -hmm. uh and and so there's a he retirement sits better with pastors you know, when they when they willingly step out at the end of a career, they hand off a ministry. Then the guys who are like at 45, they're like, I'm burned out or yeah. whatever. I'm going to step out of this. And then there's this weird lostness because they don't they're not usually real great at, at, at uh, interacting with the local church. They yeah. don't really know what to do. They don't fit anywhere. They're, they're too experienced yeah. to just sort of be a member. Mm. But they're not on staff anywhere, so they're not actually pastoring. The irony of claiming the leadership title is that they actually stepped out of a position of, of kind of utmost leadership. Yeah, and so there's a like pastors who leave ministry and go into the the marketplace do better because yeah. they they sort of take on a new like this is a thing to devote my attention to and learn a new sure. set of skills and whatever else. Yeah, and it and it so it loses its sort of weird pseudo identity. Yeah, well. I mean, if the last 20 years have taught us anything, it's not its not important to actually be a leader. It's just important to be able to talk about being one. So, I don't know. Um, to be clear. Got, to be clear. Boys, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll hit this third topic real quick. We'll be right back. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. All right, boys, we're back. Um, We got one that feels real throwback. This was a listener suggestion. And the topic is this. Mega churches are still doing weird stuff like Star Wars themed decorations. Um, did Did this happen in real life? If so, where? And if so, what did it look like? And then I've got some follow up questions. Um Pipe, what do so, you got on this one? The answer is yes, it did still happen. And I'll give you I'll give you two guesses as to where. Uh, because I feel like there's a real good chance you can peg this one. Ooh. Um I wanna go somewhere in Colorado or Wheaton. Uh, you, or Chicago it, suburbs. Yeah, it is, Chicago. It is suburbs. one of those two, yes. Okay. Um let's go somewhere in Colorado. Colorado Springs. So let's go, yes. baby. I mean, it had it wow. had to be one of the evangelical havens where yeah. the 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 weird pseudo culture can still thrive. Yeah. yeah. So I don't I don't know all the details, but I know that it just sort of made its rounds on social media. And one of our listeners pointed this to us and was basically like, "Hey guys, can you go in the wayback machine and and talk about this kind of thing?" There was a, yeah. a large church in Colorado Springs that decked out the entire church in Star Wars, like a Star Wars themed <laughs> church. I'm assuming it has something to do with the sermon series and without knowing yeah. any of the details, I'm assuming that there's some combination of like it, an entry point being the force mm. uh, and the Holy Spirit oh, possibly. Yeah. 
good or some sort of like good and evil aspect here like we are we are rebels against the empire of satan or something along those lines i'm just i'm guessing here i have a question uh and ron have you seen this have you seen images of it dude i just saw the one image somebody posted pipe of like just the the front of the people standing inviting everybody into their star wars church that's all i saw how um how good how good of a job did they do visually like I'm just kind of thinking how fun it would be to like walk onto a Star Wars set. Like irregardless of anything spiritual, it would just kind of be fun to have that experience. You know what I mean? Uh, they they did a pretty good. I mean, I only saw a couple images, but I mean, it was like full on like like Tie Fighters hanging from the <laughs> ceilings of their lobby. Oh, it's, uh, it's spectacular. So yeah. yeah, I mean, and I'm assuming that they were you know they're big paper mache and you know the the women's ministry did it or something like sure. that as, as a, their their service to the church. Well, and so uh, stereotype pipe, it's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, was wow. I not stereotyping oh. prior to that? Oh. So stereotype. Just thinking that it had to be a woman that did all the paper mache. Stuff. Just Princess. <laughs> Leah running to Michaels, yeah. you know, getting her Princess paper Leah ran into Michaels, right? Yeah. What, you know, right, right. What, what's yeah. what's next? Chewbacca served the no, coffee. No, 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 yeah. not Michaels. Hobby Lobby. They're the Christian. Oh, what's right. next? Han Solo gave the message. For the love of God, get it right. And genuinely, yeah. for the love of God, get it right. What's uh, next? Luke Skywalker yeah, was the worship leader. Yeah. Oh, Skywalker would definitely be the sensitive. worship leader. What's yeah, next? Yeah. Han Solo gave the super macho screaming in everybody's face message. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, that's that's good. Yeah. So this- Dar- Darth Vader is the executive pastor for sure. Everyone just in, <laughs> just getting yelled at and fired. Choking. Darth Vader's either rooms. the executive pastor or the children's women's director. One or the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I love it. Um, this begs the question: What other like large movie franchises would you like to see megachurches co-opt? Because I, I think it'd be really fun to do a thing where. You do like an Indiana Jones thing and you're like running away from that boulder, but the boulder represents like sin or whatever. You know what I mean? You're kind of, you're kind of fleeing it. Well, I mean, um, Avengers is Avengers <laughs> is just ripe because there's so many characters. There's, you know, the, the graphics are they really pop. Yeah. Uh, there's there's villains of various different kinds. You yeah. can do a lot. You could do a lot with Avengers. You know, you could draw all sorts of parallels between like, I don't know, Captain America and Jesus if you want to get weirdly political. Um, you can go any number of ways, you know, if that, if that's, if that's your thing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Lord of the Rings would just be primo, man. Just that's almost the, too easy. Just the pastor comes. I mean, you wouldn't even have the pastor half the time. If it's like an eight two nine church would just come up dressed as himself, maybe put yeah. on a yeah. robe. The problem is just, people would be like church or homeschool convention, which is this. I'm, yeah, I'm literally. Literally. that's a, that's a very blurry line as it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that'd be interesting. I think uh, I think Rocky could work. You know, you've got <laughs> oh, your, that's had to have happened. That's you got your mega church pastor who's spending forty five hours a week at his CrossFit gym anyway. He's just dying for a chance to like pull his shirt off. Uh, I, th- I think it's a it's a short <laughs> runway to that. Do y'all remember sure. uh, y'all remember Carmen? The uh, yeah. Car- Carmen basically did that. He did a whole like mm-hmm. music. It was like a twelve minute like song slash music video of Jesus boxing Satan. So, Great. like, there's you, you can you can draw into also like you got you got you got Rocky, you've got Carmen. We can do we can do a yeah. lot with this. There's there's a lot yeah. to work. With. It's endless. It's limitless. Yeah. It really is limitless. You could do that one, baby. Remember we saw <laughs> yeah. that movie. <laughs> the Holy we saw Spirit that in is your drug. Your limitless yeah. drug. Dude, right I love that. That was a great movie. That was a fun one, wasn't it? Yeah, the executive pastor's like down on all fours, like rubbing the 
medicine on his gums and, and stuff there in the third act. I don't know. It could be a lot of fun. Have some fun with it. You know? Always the uh, XP getting all, taking all the hits. Always the XP taking the hits, dude. Hey, I, I need your help on something. Um, I don't go to a mega church and I never have. Like, what is an executive pastor? Because in my, in my mind's eye, he's sort of the, like the CFO type, just kind of doing the books, but they call yeah. him a pastor. What is it? Is that, am I right there? Or am I off base? Um, he's usually the guy in a big church that does H like oversees the staff. Okay. He has his hand in all, he makes sure all the finances are kind of doing what they need to do. He'll be yeah. the guy that kind of like leads the building projects mm-hmm. and kind of works out all the details for that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, he's basically like the guy that's in charge of all the operations. Yeah. You know, usually. Yeah. Um, so he's not then, like the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's also and he and he gets the title of pastor because a lot of that work he's doing is is pastoral in in by nature, you know, especially if he's dealing with different like teams and yeah. you know, like if he's running a deacon ministry, if he's overseeing a deacon mm. ministry. So he'd be, you know, he'd be doing a lot of pastoral oriented work. I so think are they like are they throwing him into the pulpit one to two times a year? They let him they let preach, him yeah. stretch his legs out, get a little yeah. preaching in under the belt. For sure. If yeah, well, for to be sure. fair, if he can't preach, uh mm-hmm. he shouldn't be called a pastor. So <laughs> I think I, I have strong feelings about uh, the executive pastor role as it has been construed at many churches, because it's really uh, more like an executive director or a director yeah. of operations, like a COO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because they the church doesn't actually lean very heavily into the pastoral side of things in terms of, you know, shepherding people, for example. And so mm-hmm. it and those things are often at odds with one another. Like if you have to be the one who's sort of the hardliner on budgets and hiring practices and operations kind of stuff, and you're trying to shepherd people, that's a, that's a tough combination. So I, yeah. I, I think it's a pretty unhealthy position the way it is set up at many churches. Um, that, that's legit. Yeah. And, and then they're not really pastors at a lot of churches there are some where they are but then a lot of churches it's more just like because they hold as as much authority as they do they call them pastor but there's there's not the sort of they're not doing the work of pastoring in a lot of instances oh that 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 makes total sense send your hate mail to ronnie at substancechurch.org Dude, dude, man, pipe just threw down, getting all hardcore. Pipe threw down, dude. Here's here's my thing with executive pastors, and I I love what pipe said about it. I think if you are one of these guys, you should have to dress like an executive. You should have to dress like Gordon Gecko, like Brooks Brothers every day, slick back hair. You should have to carry like an old school, like 80s briefcase leather with like the clasps. You, you really you have to embody the role. You don't get to wear like a North Face quarter zip and, and a little scruff on your on your beard. You got to go full Gordon Gecko. Mm. That would be that would be my take. It's hard to disagree with that, man. Yeah, exactly. To. Like, let's just, I mean, if you're the 45 year old, like lead pastor with the Messiah complex, like, sure, you can wear your little uh, V-neck shirt and show off your CrossFit muscles and all that. But like executive pass, dude, that's a little different deal. I need to, yeah, you I need to look to, respectable. You got to look respectable. You, you got to be like able to go. Gentleman, yeah. Know? Go into that boardroom and look like a gentleman. Exactly. Own it. Yeah. Um, that's my, I totally my agree. I totally yeah. agree. Yeah. Boys, we've, uh, we we really have wandered to and fro throughout all three of these topics. I feel like that's a that's a true statement today. 
Um, and it was very vintage Happy Rant. We laughed a little bit. Like, I laughed out loud genuinely a couple times. You did a couple times. I remember that. Yeah, I guffawed. <laughs> Piper got yeah. a little frisky, went at the whole idea of executive Super pastors. Super, like, angry. Old school, like, Piper anger on EXPs. It's so classic. Old school Piper yeah. anger. You got honest for being sexist about the Princess Leia thing. That was very vintage. Man. Yeah, um, a lot of vintage hate going on today, for sure. A lot of vintage, frisky, like, early blogosphere stuff going on just in our three personas today. So yeah. that was good times. Uh, listeners. More good times to be had in the great city of Indianapolis, my old stomping ground. Uh, September 24, Happy Rant Live. Navigate to the website. Go to the computer. You know, close down between two worlds.blogspot.com and navigate over to whatever our website URL is and, and buy a ticket. We would love to see you there. And until next time. We want to take a moment to thank the team at Life Audio for partnering with us on this podcast. Be sure to go to lifeaudio.com and take a look at the other podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.